This is day 34 of our daily Bible reading. We'll be going through Deuteronomy chapters 13 through 17. Lord Heavenly Father, thank you for this day. Thank you for blessing us so abundantly. Thank you for your presence. We may not always recognize it. We may not always feel it. Lord, we know that you're always there and you are seeking to do good to us. Lord, that we may in turn glorify you today through our actions, through our mindsets, through the desires of our heart. Please show us your word and your truth today. In Jesus' name, amen. If a prophet or a dreamer of dreams arises among you and gives you a sign or a wonder, and the sign or the wonder comes true, concerning which he spoke to you, saying, Let us go after other gods, whom you have not known, and let us serve them. You shall not listen to the words of that prophet or that dreamer of dreams. For the Lord your God is testing you to find out if you love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul. You shall follow the Lord your God and fear him, and you shall keep his commandments. Listen to his voice. Serve him. And cling to him. But that prophet or that dreamer of dreams shall be put to death because he has counseled rebellion against the Lord your God who brought you from the land of Egypt and redeemed you from the house of slavery to seduce you from the way in which the Lord your God commanded you to walk. So you shall purge the evil from among you. If your brother, your mother's son, or your son or daughter, or the wife you cherish, or your friend who is as your own soul, entice you secretly, saying, Let us go and serve other gods, whom neither you nor your fathers have known, of the gods of the peoples who are around you, near you or far from you, from one end of the earth to the other end, you shall not yield to him or listen to him, and your eye shall not pity him, nor shall you spare or conceal him, but you shall surely kill him. Your hand shall be first against him to put him to death, and afterwards the hand of all the people. So you shall stone him to death, because he has sought to seduce you from the Lord your God, who brought you out from the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. Then all Israel will hear and be afraid, and will never again do such a wicked thing among you. If you hear in one of your cities, which the Lord your God is giving you to live in, anyone saying that some worthless men have gone out from among you and have seduced the inhabitants of their city, saying, Let us go and serve other gods, whom you have not known, then you shall investigate and search out and inquire thoroughly. If it is true, and the matter established that this abomination has been done among you, you shall surely strike the inhabitants of that city with the edge of the sword, utterly destroying it and all that is in it 
and its cattle with the edge of the sword. Then you shall gather all its booty into the middle of its open square, and burn the city and all its booty with fire, as a whole burnt offering to the Lord your God. And it shall be a ruin forever. It shall never be rebuilt. Nothing from that which is put under the ban shall cling to your hand, in order that the Lord may turn from his burning anger and show mercy to you, and have compassion on you and make you increase, just as he has sworn to your fathers. If you will listen to the voice of the Lord your God, keeping all the commandments which I am commanding you today, and doing what is right in the sight of the Lord your God. You are the sons of the Lord your God. You shall not cut yourselves, nor shave your forehead for the sake of the dead. For you are a holy people to the Lord your God. And the Lord has chosen you to be a people for his own possession out of all the peoples who are on the face of the earth. You shall not eat any detestable thing. These are the animals which you may eat. The ox, the sheep, the goat, the deer, the gazelle, the roebuck, the wild goat, the ibex, the antelope, and the mountain sheep. Any animal that divides the hoof and has the hoof split in two and chews the cud among the animals. That, that you may eat. Nevertheless, you are not to eat of these among those which chew the cud or among those that divide the hoof in two. The camel and the rabbit and the chiffon, for though they chew the cud, they do not divide the hoof. They are unclean to you. The pig, because it divides the hoof, but it does not chew the cud, it is unclean to you. You shall not eat any of its flesh, nor touch their carcasses. These you may eat of all that is in the water. Anything that has fins and scales you may eat. But anything that does not have fins or scales you shall not eat. It is unclean for you. You may eat any clean bird. But these are the ones which you shall not eat. The eagle and the vulture, and the buzzard, and the red kite, the falcon, and the kites in their kinds, and every raven in its kind, and the ostrich, the owl, the seagull, and the hawk in their kinds, the little owl, the great owl, the white owl, the pelican, the carrion vulture, the cormorant, the stork, and the heron in their kinds, and the hoopoe, and the bat. And all the teeming life with wings are unclean to you. They shall not be eaten. You may eat any clean bird. You shall not eat anything which dies of itself. You may give it to the alien who is in your town, so that he may eat it, or you may sell it to a foreigner, for you are a holy people to the Lord your God. You shall not boil a young goat in its mother's milk. You shall surely tithe all the produce 
from what you sow, which comes out of the field every year. You shall eat in the presence of the Lord your God, at the place where he chooses to establish his name, the tithe of your grain, your new wine, your oil, and the firstborn of your herd and your flock, so that you may learn to fear the Lord your God always. If the distance is too great for you, that you are not able to bring the tithe, since the place where the Lord your God chooses to set his name is too far away from you when the Lord your God blesses you, then you shall exchange it for money, and bind the money in your hand, and go to the place which the Lord your God chooses. You may spend the money for whatever your heart desires, for oxen, or sheep, or wine, or strong drink, or whatever your heart desires. And there you shall eat in the presence of the Lord your God, and rejoice, you and your household. Also you shall not neglect the Levite who is in your town, for he has no portion or inheritance among you. At the end of every third year you shall bring out all the tithe of your produce in that year and shall deposit it in your town. The Levite, because he has no portion or inheritance among you, and the alien, the orphan, and the widow who are in your town, shall come and eat and be satisfied, in order that the Lord your God may bless you in all the work of your hand which you do. At the end of every seven years you shall grant a remission of debts. This is the matter of remission. Every creditor shall release what he has loaned to his neighbor. He shall not exact it of his neighbor and his brother, because the Lord's remission has been proclaimed. From a foreigner you may exact it, but your hand shall release whatever of yours is with your brother. However, there will be no poor among you, since the Lord will surely bless you in the land which the Lord your God is giving you as an inheritance to possess. If only you listen obediently to the voice of the Lord your God, to observe carefully all this commandment which I am commanding you today. For the Lord your God will bless you as he has promised you, and you will lend to many nations, but you will not borrow. And you will rule over many nations, but they will not rule over you. If there is a poor man with you, one of your brothers, in any of your towns in your land, which the Lord your God is giving you, you shall not harden your heart, nor close your hand for your poor brother. But you shall freely open your hand to him, and shall generously lend him sufficient for his need, in whatever he lacks. Beware that there is no base thought in your heart, saying, The seventh year, the year of remission, is near, and your eye is hostile toward your poor brother, and you give him nothing, that he may cry to the Lord against you, and it will be a sin in you. You shall generously give to him, and your heart shall not be grieved when you give to him, because for this thing the Lord your God will bless you in all your work and in all your undertakings. 
for the poor will never cease to be in the land. Therefore I command you, saying, You shall freely open your hand to your brother, to your needy and poor in your land. If your kinsman, a Hebrew man or woman, is sold to you, then he shall serve you six years. But in the seventh year you shall set him free. When you set him free, you shall not send him away empty-handed. You shall furnish him liberally from your stock, and from your threshing floor, and from your wine vat, and you shall give to him as the Lord your God has blessed you. You shall remember that you were a slave in the land of Egypt, and the Lord your God redeemed you. Therefore I command you this today. It shall come about if he says to you, I will not go out from you, because he loves you and your household, since he fares well with you. Then you shall take an awl and pierce it through his ear into the door, and he shall be your servant forever. Also, you shall do likewise to your maidservant. It shall not seem hard to you when you set him free. For he has given you six years with double the service of a hired man. So the Lord your God will bless you in whatever you do. You shall consecrate to the Lord your God all the firstborn males that are born of your herd and of your flock. You shall not work with the firstborn of your herd, nor shear the firstborn of your flock. You and your household shall eat it every year before the Lord your God, in the place where the Lord chooses. But if it has any defect, such as lameness, or blindness, or any serious defect, you shall not sacrifice it to the Lord your God. You shall eat it within your gates. The unclean and the clean alike may eat it, as a gazelle or a deer. Only you shall not eat its blood. You are to pour it out on the ground like water. Observe the month of Abib, and celebrate the Passover to the Lord your God. For in the month of Abib, the Lord your God brought you out of Egypt by night. You shall sacrifice the Passover to the Lord your God from the flock and the herd, in the place where the Lord chooses to establish his name. You shall not eat leavened bread with it. Seven days you shall eat with it unleavened bread, the bread of affliction. For you came out of the land of Egypt in haste, so that you may remember all the days of your life, the day when you came out of the land of Egypt. For seven days no leaven shall be seen with you in all your territory, and none of the flesh which you sacrifice on the evening of the first day shall remain overnight until morning. You are not allowed to sacrifice the Passover in any of your towns which the Lord your God is giving you, but at the place where the Lord your God chooses to establish his name. You shall sacrifice the Passover in the evening at sunset, at the time that you came out of Egypt. You shall cook and eat it in the place which the Lord your God chooses. In the morning, you are to return to your tents. Six days 
you shall eat unleavened bread. And on the seventh day there shall be a solemn assembly to the Lord your God. You shall do no work on it. You shall count seven weeks for yourself. You shall begin to count seven weeks from the time you begin to put the sickle to the standing grain. Then you shall celebrate the Feast of Weeks to the Lord your God with a tribute of free will offering of your hand, which you shall give just as the Lord your God blesses you. And you shall rejoice before the Lord your God, you and your son and your daughter and your male and female servants and the Levite who is in your town and the stranger and the orphan and the widow who is in your midst in the place where the Lord your God chooses to establish his name. You shall remember that you were a slave in Egypt and you shall be careful to observe these statutes. You shall celebrate the Feast of Booths seven days after you have gathered in from your threshing floor and your wine vat. And you shall rejoice in your feast, you and your son and your daughter and your male and female servants and the Levite and the stranger and the orphan and the widow who are in your towns. Seven days you shall celebrate a feast to the Lord your God in the place which the Lord chooses. Because... The Lord your God will bless you in all your produce and in all the work of your hands, so that you will be altogether joyful. Three times in a year, all your males shall appear before the Lord your God in the place where he chooses, at the Feast of Unleavened Bread, and at the Feast of Weeks, and at the Feast of Booths and they shall not appear before the Lord empty-handed. Every man shall give as he is able, according to the blessing of the Lord your God, which he has given you. You shall appoint for yourself judges and officers in all your towns, which the Lord your God is giving you, according to your tribes, and they shall judge the people with righteous judgment. You shall not distort justice, you shall not be partial, and you shall not take a bribe, for a bribe blinds the eyes of the wise and perverts the words of the righteous. Justice and only justice you shall pursue, that you may live and possess the land which the Lord your God is giving you. You shall not plant for yourself an asherah, of any kind of tree beside the altar of the Lord your God, which you shall make for yourself. You shall not set up for yourself a sacred pillar which the Lord your God hates. You shall not sacrifice to the Lord your God an ox or a sheep which has a blemish or any defect, for that is a detestable thing to the Lord your God. If there is found in your midst, in any of your towns, which the Lord your God is giving you, a man or a woman who does what is evil in the sight of the Lord your God, by transgressing his covenant, and has gone and served other gods and worshipped them, 
or the sun, or the moon, or any of the heavenly host, which I have not commanded? And if it is told you, and you have heard of it, then you shall inquire thoroughly. Behold, if it is true, and the thing certain that this detestable thing has been done in Israel, then you shall bring out that man or that woman who has done this evil deed to your gates, that is, the man or the woman, and you shall stone them to death. On the evidence of two witnesses or three witnesses, he who is to die shall be put to death. He shall not be put to death on the evidence of one witness. The hand of the witnesses shall be first against him to put him to death, and afterward the hand of all the people. So you shall purge the evil from your midst. If any case is too difficult for you to decide between one kind of homicide or another, between one kind of lawsuit or another, or between one kind of assault or another, being cases of dispute in your courts, then you shall arise and go up to the place which the Lord your God chooses. So you shall come to the Levitical priest or the judge who is in office. In those days, and you shall inquire of them, and they will declare to you the verdict in this case. You shall do according to the terms of the verdict which they declare to you from that place which the Lord chooses, and you shall be careful to observe according to all that they teach you. According to the terms of the law which they teach you, and according to the verdict which they tell you, you shall do. You shall not turn aside from the word which they declare to you, to the right or to the left. The man who acts presumptuously by not listening to the priest who stands there to serve the Lord your God, nor to the judge, that man shall die. Thus you shall purge the evil from Israel. Then all the people will hear and be afraid, and will not act presumptuously again. When you enter the land which the Lord your God gives you, and you possess it, and live in it, and you say, I will set a king over me like all the nations who are around me. You shall surely set a king over you whom the Lord your God chooses. One from among your countrymen you shall set as king over yourselves. You may not put a foreigner over yourselves who is not your countryman. Moreover, he shall not multiply horses for himself, nor shall he cause the people to return to Egypt to multiply horses. Since the Lord has said to you, You shall never again return that way. He shall not multiply wives for himself, or else his heart will turn away nor shall he greatly increase silver and gold for himself. Now it shall come about when he sits on the throne of his kingdom, he shall write for himself a copy of this law on a scroll in the presence of the Levitical priests. It shall be with him, and he shall read it all the days of his life, that he may learn to fear the Lord his God. 
by carefully observing all the words of this law and these statutes, that his heart may not be lifted up above his countrymen, and that he may not turn aside from the commandment to the right or the left, so that he and his sons may continue long in his kingdom in the midst of Israel. Okay, so let's go through a couple of things that we read today, just as a reminder to us. So, it may seem a little harsh on some of the things that these people were punished for if they did these things, such as false prophets. If they are a false prophet, they are put to death. Besides being a false prophet, it said that if something was a very difficult case, for example, a case of homicide, or some sort of legal issue that the normal people could not resolve, then you were to go to a judge or you're supposed to go to the priest. And the priest was supposed to issue a verdict. And if you didn't listen to that verdict, then you shall die. And if in any way someone is encouraging you to perform idolatry of some kind, that person is to be put to death. So, that's a very extreme way of handling that. But he explains why, right? He explains that you're wanting to purge the evil from among you. And it says this that in verse 11 of chapter 13, that all Israel will hear of this death and will be afraid and will never again do such a wicked thing among you. Someone has to be made the example. And this is how God chooses to do it, is, hey, you know, if somebody is out of line, somebody is trying to get people to be influenced in a way that the Lord would be dissatisfied with, especially when it comes to idolatry, things that are against God's standards, he takes this very seriously. And he does not want this person to live, not only because of the evil he's doing, but he certainly does not want the issue to persist. So if he's leading people astray, then they all need to be taken care of. That seems very extreme for us. And even says, even if it's your close friend, or your wife, or your son or your daughter, and they try to entice you secretly, let's go worship other gods, you need to destroy them. That is so hard to understand in today's world. But I suppose it's like if, you know, someone in your family, like your own kid or your wife who murdered someone, are you just going to let that go? I mean, sure, you may want to forgive them and love them anyway, but how are they going to be held accountable? And especially as men. The Bible is very clear that men are the leaders of their families. There are really four jobs that every Christian man should be in their homes, right? Should be a prophet, should be a priest, should be a provider, and should be a protector. Those are the four standards that God puts in men who lead a home, who lead a family. And we have to be those things. And so part of being a priest is being holy, that your family stays holy. 
and clean. And if there is any filth among you, it has to be dealt with. And that person has to be held accountable. And God forbid it happens to be this severe. But it's very clear in the law of Moses how they're supposed to handle that. But in this world, in today's modern time, if you know of something serious like that, you have to report them to the authorities. You can't just let it go or try to hide them. Because by you hiding them, you're telling them that it's okay. And you're allowing them to try to get away with it. That makes you an accomplice. And that should not be your stance on that at all. Chapter 14 is stuff that we have seen before. Just as he's reminding them what's considered clean and what's considered not clean. But I like something that is uh, spoken here about why they tithe in chapter 14. It says that you're supposed to enjoy these things in the presence of the Lord. Now, there's two things that I get out of this. We know that God is a communal God. We know that God likes community. You know that he wants us to be near him. He wants us to have a relationship with him. What better way to spend time with someone than to share a meal with them? Even sharing a meal with the Lord. So that's why they would do it like this, is they would go to the Lord in in personal thanks and show, look, Lord, this is the tithe that you have given me for all the blessings you've given me. Lord, let's let's celebrate together, you and me, God. So you're establishing that relationship with the Lord, that community with him. Now, for the people of Israel, this was remarkable. Because, again, they didn't have direct access to God like we do today. Because they didn't have the Holy Spirit, and they didn't have Christ, our intercessor. They had to go through the priest. So this was the way they could get as close as they could to God. But also, if everyone had to go to this one place and worship the Lord and celebrate together, what does that sound like? That sounds like church. That sounds like the family of believers of God, that community, right? That's the whole point. God intended that since the law of Moses, to have the church, to where you have a group of believers that have all things in common through their Lord, and they worship him together, and they build each other up. This concept was not foreign and should not be considered foreign in the New Testament because it was already established in the law. So, something interesting to consider. Chapter 15 says, If there is any poor person among you, then you shall not harden your heart nor close your hand from your brother. And, of course, you give to them as they need and to not withhold blessings, because it says that if you're hostile because you're like, oh no, it's right at the year of Jubilee, he knows he's going to get, he's asking for this stuff, and then his debt's going to be canceled. I know he's doing that on purpose, just so he can get something from me, and he doesn't have to pay me back. If that's the intention of your heart, it says that the Lord will consider that a sin against you. So we should always be 
generous, and our hearts should not be grieved when we give to him, because for this thing the Lord your God will bless you in all your work and all your undertakings. This is not the only time scripture talks about this. God is the God of multiplication. He can surely multiply your resources, your finances, as he sees fit. And he's much more inclined to do so when we are responsible with it and when we are doing it with his uh, satisfaction in heart. Why do we do what we do? Are we doing it for personal recognition or a status symbol? Or are you doing it because you want to be obedient to the Lord and give generously? There's a difference. And God knows the difference in your heart. And he will reward you according to what is in your heart, whether good or bad. What I also thought about this that was really neat was that even though there are poor people in the land, it should not be to where they are left to their own devices. As a community, the ones that have give to the have-nots. And they're supported that the poor are never just left to fend for themselves, that there is always a means by which they are able to eat, especially the orphans and the widows. And that or the orphan and the widows are always talked about in Scripture as needing to be protected and comforted. Not only as a person, but as a believer, as a church. We should always be in uh, caring for the orphans and the widows. In chapter 15, verse 11, Moses also says this, For the poor will never cease to be in the land. And the language that he says here, very similar to what Jesus said, is you will always have the poor, but you won't always have me. I just thought that was, I saw a parallel there. One last thing to look at is at the end of chapter 17, there is a section about kings. God knew the people of Israel would eventually want a king. Now, let's be clear that from the very beginning, God fully intended to be the king. He wanted the people of Israel to recognize him and treat him as their king. That has never changed. But he knew that men were weak and that they wanted to be like everybody else sometimes. There was a clause in their law that if they did do the thing that the other nations do, which is have a king, there are some guidelines behind it that we see here. First off, it says that the Lord chooses the king. Now, we think of the story of Saul and David. Saul was chosen by the people of Israel, and he failed as a king. But David was chosen by God, and he was successful as king. That was the this law played out in actuality. Then there are some guidelines as to how the king should be held accountable. He should not multiply horses for himself. Now, what he's talking about here is it's not just horses in general. It's talking about materialism. So I'm not talking about trying to build up military power. Because when you would think of horses in those days, 
horses were a symbol of wartime military strength. So in this case, he wasn't trying to build up a personal army for himself. He wasn't trying to multiply horses. You know, trying to get all the things of this world that, you know, I have this, therefore I am great. You know, worship and serve me as the king because I have all this many horses. I'm obsessed with having the things of this world. Just He didn't want them to be materialistic and power hungry. Okay, that was one thing. Secondly is they were not to multiply wives. Polygamy. So there's conversation right now in the political world that, well, it doesn't say that you can't do certain things or doesn't say what a woman is, doesn't define certain things in the Bible. Well, no, perhaps in some ways it's hard to define certain things that's not explicitly mentioned in the Bible, but the spirit of understanding is certainly there. And it's very clear about this. He shall not multiply wives for himself, or else his heart will turn away. Polygamy. Polygamy was never meant to be a thing in the people of Israel. Now, we had some really good kings that unfortunately did do that. It was a sin. Doesn't make it okay. Like, for example, King David, King Solomon had hundreds of wives. I mean, that's... No, that is not what God meant. Because if you need to have that many wives... There's obviously something very lustful in the heart. That's why it was designed from the very, very beginning for a man and a woman to marry and it just be those two. No one else entered that relationship. So they weren't to multiply horses, they weren't to multiply wives, and they were not to multiply wealth. They were supposed to consider themselves the same as the people that they served. Humble kings, right? And I really think that in today's world, we should practice this other thing as well. Say for presidents, for example, or kings of other countries, or members of parliament, I don't know. But that when they go into office, that they shall write a copy of the Bible for themselves and that they, it's something they have to do as a standard practice and it should be with them all the days of their life and during their office. Why? So that they may learn to fear the Lord and carefully observe all the words of this law, that his heart may not be lifted up above his countrymen and that he may not turn aside from the commandments right or to the left and may continue long in the kingdom. That is why God is so serious about things that are leading people astray, leading people away from God, that they are put to death. They're treated severely because one person has an effect on multiple people. If it was just a, an individual thing, God doesn't talk about that right here. He talks about those who are influential in leading people astray. Think of all the corrupt politicians and 
corrupt leaders. And I just read an article last night that made me sick that the Church of England cannot define biblically what a woman is. They're, they're falling prey to the same trash that's out there right now, that same corruption. The Church of England cannot define what a woman is. I guess they never read the book of Genesis, which we did a few days ago. But there are many passages that talk about what a woman is. But then these are the leaders who are going to teach everyone in the Church of England the Bible or the standards of God or the law, right? We think of another one. If you're a Catholic and the, the heat behind Pope Francis, how we had one of our American leaders, Nancy Pelosi, who professes to be a Catholic, and yet she is one of the most evil people on the face of this earth, including very supportive of abortion, you know, the killing of unborn children, worshiping Molech. She was, by her bishop, she was denied communion because she is, in the eyes of that bishop, was considered a heretic and should be excommunicated from the church. But Pope Francis let her take communion at the VIP section of the church at the Vatican. And this is the same Pope that is held to a standard by the Catholic Church and by all its over one billion believers that the Pope is anointed by God as the vicar of Christ, the representative of Christ, the false Christ. And that when he speaks ex cathedra, meaning that he speaks from the seat of authority as Pope, it is equal to the words of God. And that through the words that come from his mouth and the decisions he makes, he can change scripture and he can change tradition as he wills. So how can you have a perfect pope, one that is infallible, that says only certain criteria are allowed for you to be able to take communion, and then you allow someone who is obviously evil, and you let them take communion, completely contradicting yourself and everything that you teach? How can someone be trusted like that? That should be evidence alone that this man is not legitimate. Look at what we have been studying about the Lord our God. He is consistent in everything that he does. He is perfect in all his judgments. He makes laws for our good and he never changes his mind. Because if he changed his mind or he makes a mistake, he's not perfect and he's not God. And if somebody that we worship makes mistakes or contradicts himself or has to backtrack anything, how can we believe anything he says? That is why God has to be perfect. Because he is trustworthy. He is faithful. 
And because of that, he is worthy of being obeyed and being worshipped. Not just because of what he's done, but of who he is as well. And who he has been made himself known to be. So, we will be soon going into a study of Roman Catholicism. I'll tell you that. I did a long study on that not too long ago. And I will share my findings with you. But for now, we'll stop right here. Thank you for listening today. My name is Ryan. And as usual, thank you for following me this far. We've come a long way in such a short time. And I hope you stick with us to the end. Until tomorrow. Take care of yourselves, be strong in the Lord, and God bless you.